Today we're going to be continuing our series, Illuminates. We're looking at these places in the scriptures where, where Jesus' light illuminates in the scriptures, but also continues to illuminate in our lives. And this was a little bit of a two-parter, so I want to kind of remind you, like, uh, I feel like I need like a, a video that says, last week on Illuminates, you know, with somebody's really great voice. You remember, we, Jesus was coming back to his hometown of Nazareth, and after being in the desert, being tempted, after being baptized, and, and he was going up into Galilee and was stopping in different towns, and he was meeting in the synagogues and performing miracles and healings and teachings, and he kind of got this, this name about himself, and he comes to his hometown, and on the Sabbath day, on, on that Saturday morning, he comes and they choose him to be the reader of the scriptures that day, and then also the interpreter, or the, the one giving the message, and, and he reads from the scroll of Isaiah, and Isaiah 58 and 61, and you'll remember what we said, he said he was coming, kind of gives his mission statement about what he's going to do. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, and because the Lord has anointed me, he has sent me to preach good news to the poor, to proclaim release to the prisoners and recovery of sight to the blind, to liberate the oppressed and proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. And then he rolled up that scroll, and he sat down and began his message and said, Today this scripture has been fulfilled just as you heard it. And in verse 22, he says, everyone was raving about Jesus and so impressed with what they were hearing through his gracious words and from his lips. Everybody was raving. They were, they were proud of their hometown boy. He'd come home and, and was ready to make good and all these promises, this Messiah that was to come. But just two verses later, we're going to find out today that they weren't so excited to see him anymore. So we're going to figure out what made them so mad and what made them turn on him on a dime and ready to run him out of his hometown. Again, welcome to worship. We're glad you're here. Would you stand as we continue to worship?
creator of all things, the giver of life and breath. We believe in Jesus Christ, born Emmanuel, God with us, baptized and revealed, the most beloved son of God. He sought to heal humanity by taking our brokenness upon himself, suffering for us, dying for us, and being raised from the dead for our sake and for the sake of all the world. We believe that he will come again. We believe in the Holy Spirit, continually poured out, refreshing our lives, leading us into a new day, ever birthing the church, the body of Christ in the world. The Spirit is our sole companion and counselor of truth, reminding us of the gift of faith, the ever presence of God, and the promise of eternal life. Thanks be to God. Amen. Y'all can go ahead and have a seat. Today is the first Sunday of the month, and as is our tradition in uh, the Methodist Church and in, in Grace community, uh, we celebrate the sacrament of Holy Communion. And to prepare ourselves, to prepare our hearts and, and minds and souls, we participate in the invitation, confession, and the pardon. Would you join me? Your words will be in orange on the screen. Christ our Lord invites to his table all who love him, who earnestly repent of their sin and seek to live in peace with one another. Therefore, let us confess our sin before God and one another. Merciful God, we confess that we have not loved you with our whole heart. 
We have failed to be an obedient church. We have not done your will. We have broken your law. We have rebelled against you. We have not heard and we have not heard the cry of the needy. Forgive us, we pray. Free us for joyful obedience through Jesus Christ our Lord. Now just take a few moments for silence and individual confession. Friends, hear the good news. Christ died for us while we were yet sinners, and that proves God's love for us. In the name of Jesus Christ, you are forgiven. In the name of Jesus Christ, you are forgiven. Glory to God. Amen. As we move through our time of worship, this is the usual spot where we have our opportunity to give back through the offering of our tithes and gifts. And usually here I want to you know, highlight one of our ministries and how we're serving and, and supporting a ministry like that, and it's no different this morning. Today we're going to talk about Family Promise. It's a, it's a very influential and important ministry that we participate with our, our mission partner, Family Promise. And their goal, their mission is to end homelessness in Hillsborough County. And they do that, if you haven't heard, if, if you're new to us or you just haven't experienced Family Promise, they do that by partnering with churches and now with other organizations. They just got a great new partner. It's a, it's a dance company out toward uh, near the corner of Lumsden and uh, Lithia Pinecrest by the Walmart market. And uh, it's a dance company. They're Christian-owned, but they're opening up their studio to house, be one of the places that houses uh, our families. So our families usually go around and, and to visit different churches each week, and, they, and they, the church or the place will basically make a home out of their church for that week. And, and the, the families rotate around until they are able to get on their feet and, and get into sustainable housing. So our week coming up is February 17th through the 24th, and you guys have always done a great job in supporting us, and I know this will be no different. There's a sign-up sheet. You can't miss it today because there's all kinds of pink balloons there. When you go out here on your right in the Mission Center, there's sign-up sheets up on the board, and you can also do this digitally. You know where you can sign up for this? On the, the hub. Okay? On the hub, you can sign up in my favorite way, in your pajamas. Okay? You can't come here and sign up at that board in your pajamas. Okay? But you can do it on the hub. So sign up. There's all kinds of things to do. You can bring food. You can bring other uh, supplies during a week. If you can't be here during a week, you can come and, and eat with the families. You can spend the night in the church if you ever want to know what it's like to spend the night in the church. You know, I can give you some sermon work. You can be working on sermons and things or other odd jobs around the church. 
But uh, there's all kinds of jobs, and you can do this as a family. It's really great because the family can go shopping for ingredients and maybe cook together or go shopping for other items, and the family could come and eat together. So in two Sundays on the 17th, as soon as the 11 o'clock service is over, we're going to begin to transform our campus into uh, bedrooms and, and dining rooms and prepare for our families that are coming. And uh, during that week, you know, we, we may not tell a scripture story. We will probably pray before meals, we, but we may not really ever mention, other than praying, the, the, the name of Jesus. But by opening our home and extending hospitality and love, they will experience Jesus. And that's what we're all about. We'll be creating a community that week where our families can experience God's transforming grace. And that's who we are. And that's what we do. So I invite you to, to join in with uh, Family Promise and however you can do that. And it will bless you more than it will bless them, I guarantee it. I want to invite the ushers to come forward to receive this morning's tithes and offerings. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me.
attune our heart's ear to your voice, that it would be louder than all the noise. Lord, we seek your face, we seek your direction. This year as a church family, we want to make your grace a reality to all that we come in contact with. And it's in your precious name we pray. Amen. So we're picking up where we left off. Everyone was excited to see Jesus. Everyone was excited about what Jesus was saying, proclaiming himself as the Messiah who would come to, to save them, to save them from the oppression that they were feeling, for the oppression that they've been feeling for hundreds of years from various different people, the, the Babylonians and the Assyrians and now the Romans. And we pick up, actually merge kind of where we left off in verse 21 of chapter 4 in Luke. And it says, He began to explain to them, Today this scripture has been fulfilled just as you heard it. Everyone was raving about Jesus, so impressed were they by his gracious words flowing from his lips. And they said, this is Joseph's son, isn't it? And then Jesus said to them, undoubtedly, undoubtedly you will quote this saying to me, doctor, heal yourself. Do here in your hometown what, what you've heard, what we've heard you did in Capernaum. And he said, I assure you that, that no prophet is welcome in the prophet's hometown. And I can assure you that there were many widows in Israel during Elijah's time. When it, when it didn't rain for three and a half years, and there was a great food shortage in the land, yet Elijah was sent to none of them, but only to a widow in the city of Zarephath, in the region of Sidon. There were also many persons with skin diseases in Israel during the time of the prophet Elisha. But none of them were cleansed. Instead, Naaman the Syrian was cleansed. And when they heard this, everyone in the synagogue was filled with anger, and they rose up and ran him out of town. They led him to the crest of the hill on which their town had been built so that they could throw him off the cliff. But he passed through the crowd and went on his way. Friends, this is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. So what made them mad? What, what made them turn on Jesus? It begins with this statement, this, this ancient little proverb that he quoted, undoubtedly you will quote this saying to me, doctor, heal yourself. Meaning, you know, if you can do all these great miracles, then, then take care of yourself. But they were speaking about themselves. Take care of your hometown. You know, if you're, if you're this great healer, then, then heal us like you healed, and we heard you healed in Capernaum, just a, a few miles away. Do what you did there, here, you know. You're our hometown guy. You're our hometown hero. You know, give us the hometown discount. And do here what you did there. 
And he says, well, you know, no prophet is welcome in his hometown. You ever gone back to your hometown? Kind of goes a couple different ways. Either you're still the hero when everybody walks in, or maybe you're still the goat if you were kind of not the hero, or, or maybe, like me, no one really notices when you walk through the doors, and you don't see anybody you know, and, and uh, not even in Walmart can I find anybody I know in Newport Ritchie, you know? But when you go to your hometown, it usually goes a couple different ways, and, and here he's welcomed because he's the hometown boy, and they've heard he's done great things, and they want him to do exactly what he's done in those other places and more. And he says, no prophet is welcome in their hometown. And by now, the people are nervously shifting in their seats, but, but they're still with him. They're, they're, they're nervous about, okay, where is he going with this? But they're still there. And then he says, you know, there, there were lots of widows in Israel during, during the great famine, during Elijah's, the prophet Elijah's time. There's lots of widows that, that needed help and needed food and water and care. But God didn't send Elijah to any of those widows in Israel. Instead, he sent, the, sent Elijah outside of Israel to Zarephath, to this widow up by Sidon, in between Tyre and Sidon. And this widow, she had enough flour and was going to gather some water. And it was enough for the last meal for, for her son and herself. And Elijah runs into her at the, the town well and says, you know, give me something to drink. And she obliges giving him something to drink. Says, well, while you're at it, go home and, and bake me some bread and bring me back because I'm hungry. And, and she says, well, look, I, I have just enough flour to make some bread for my son and I for our last meal before we go and die. He goes, no, no, no. Bake me some bread and bring it back to me. And so she does. And, and, and in that action, in, in her obedience, a miracle happens. And for the whole time that Elijah is there and beyond, she never runs out of flour. She never runs out of flour. And, and, and her son and her survive. And Jesus says, not only that, it's not only this miracle about these widows that, that God goes outside of the bounds of our country to find a widow in need and performs miracles to save her family. But, you know, in Elisha's time, Elisha was the, the, the heir apparent of Elijah. I know, you know, we could make this a little more confusing that these names sound exactly the same. Elisha was the heir apparent, and in his time, Naaman was a, uh, was a leader of the armed forces for uh, Aram, kind of in the area of Syria now. And Naaman had leprosy. And Jesus says, well, you know, God could have sent Elisha to, to many of the people in Israel that had leprosy, but he chose to go outside the borders to Naaman. And Naaman came to, came to the king, had official papers to come to the king seeking to be healed. And the king said, well, I can't heal you. And Elisha heard about this and, and told Naaman, you know, go, go 
cleanse yourself seven times in the Jordan River. And first Naaman's like, look, I came here to get healed, not to go take a bath in your dirty, stinky river. You know, we've got lots better rivers in Aram, you know. If I wanted this to clean myself up, I could go up there. And, and his servants urged him to just, just do what the man of God says to do. And so reluctantly, Naaman goes and, and dips himself seven times in the Jordan River, and he is healed of his leprosy. So Jesus says, you know, there are lots of widows in Israel, but Elijah, Elijah didn't go to any of the widows in Israel. And there are lots of people with leprosy, but Elisha didn't heal any of those in Israel. He went beyond our borders, away from us. And, you know, what made them mad, what made them turn on him, was that they were discovering that all these things he had promised to bring them from oppression and to give them sight and to heal them and to release the prisoners and to announce this, this year of jubilee, Jesus was saying, this is not only for you, but it's for everybody. It's not only for within the bounds of Israel. This isn't a nationalistic faith we have. It's for beyond the bounds. It's for our enemies in Aram and those in Sidon and Tyre and beyond for the whole world. It's for all people. These things are not just for you. They're for everyone. All people. Reminds me of, uh, since I was in John Wesley land this week, reminds me of John Wesley. You know, in, in the 18th century, John Wesley was a part of the Church of England. He was a priest in the Church of England, and, and, and he had had this heartwarming experience and he was frustrated that the Church of England, literally back then, you, you could buy your pew, you could buy your seat, so the bishops could buy the second row of chairs here, okay, and sit where they always sit, and, uh, and that was how you went to church. It was kind of enough to buy your space, and if you couldn't afford to buy space, then you weren't a part of the group, and, or if you weren't in the upper class or middle class, you couldn't be a part of that, and, and Wesley said, there's all these people outside that need to hear about this, and, but, but priests were prohibited from preaching outside of their churches, and so there's this great quote in Wesley's journal from April 2nd, 1739, so that's what almost, uh, doing the quick math, 80 years ago, is that right? I think 80. 70, I don't know, somebody, 80. 1739, Wesley writes this. At four in the afternoon, I submitted to be more vile. I submitted to be more vile and proclaimed in the highways the glad tidings of salvation. So he went outside the church and into the fields and into the factories, into the bars and pubs, and declared glad tidings. He declared the good news of Jesus. And he got in some big trouble. This first time, though, wasn't, he was in the field, and, and I didn't have this part of the quote. You know, it wasn't like just you know, him and a couple people. There was 3,000 people out in the fields. They were hungry for this word of good news because they weren't in 
the in crowd in the church. I submitted to be more vile and proclaim the glad tidings of salvation outside the church. This, this good news of Jesus is not just for us. We need to be vile just like Wesley. It's, it's a both and. It doesn't mean we, we don't come to church and worship and hear our, thing, hear our words here, the good news here, but it's a both and. We come here and we also go out and be vile in our world. It's both us and others who then become a part of us. And then we go back out and it's others. It's both inside the church and it's outside the church. It's all people. You know, we have, uh, last week we looked at our, our mission and vision and values and it's printed on the back of the bulletin again this week for your reference. And all over our mission, vision, values, we have this word, all people. Disciples of Christ creating a community where all people can experience God's transforming grace. We believe that all people are created with inherent worth and value. All people are called to discover and embrace their inherent worth and value. The church is called to create a community where all people can discover and embrace their inherent worth and value. And making God's grace, this is our vision, making God's grace a reality to all. I guess we could probably put all people there too. So as a church, we need to, we need to come to a declaration. We, we wrote these mission, vision, and values several years ago, and, and they're hanging on the wall, and they're on the website, but we really need to come to a declaration and say, okay, is this, is this really what we believe? Do we believe it? it is all people, no matter what, young and old, no matter if your skin is white or black or some shade in between, no matter if you're on uh, the high end of the socioeconomic level or the low end of the socioeconomic level or, or in between, Perhaps whatever your views on sexuality may be, or no matter your gender, no matter what language you speak, no matter what, all people, it's either all people, or we have to come up with some different words, right? If, if it's not all people, then we've got to come up with some, something else to call it. And Wesley believed... He was to go out to all people, to be vile and to go out to all people. Wesley had a great quote. It says, I, the world is my parish. And sometimes, me included, we, we turn that around and we think, the parish is my world. I had a realization a couple weeks ago. Was, my life right now, I go home. I come here. I might go to Winn-Dixie. I might go pick up my kids at Newsom. And then I go back home, and I come here. I don't have much of a world beyond this, and that's, that's on me. I have created my world to be like this, and, I, and it's a challenge for me that I need to go out and, and get a life, basically, and do something else beyond my house 
in this parish, and I love this parish, and, but I need to go out and, 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 and do things. My doctor is always telling me, well, what's your hobby? Yeah, I, I'm not sure what that hobby is. You've got to find a hobby. Hobby with people. You know, I, I'll just be honest. I, for about a year now, I've been grieving the absence of Cool Beans. Cool Beans was my third place where I did have a little bit of a life and met people and saw people. And I haven't found that new place. I tried Starbucks. Eh, not my place. A little too noisy for this guy who's hitting middle-aged. But we, we need to go out into the world and, and embrace this being vile and that the world is our parish. Jesus' revelation that the good news is for the whole world, not just for those who have known Jesus all their lives, shouldn't offend us or make us want to run Jesus off the cliff. It's not a threat to us. It's, it's an invitation to us and to all. And Jesus is indeed bringing good news to the poor and sight to the blind. And all of this today, right around us as we look and as we watch, Jesus is doing these things in our midst. And we can be a part of it, spreading his good news all over the world, or we don't have to be. But I think we should, should be a part of it in, in spreading this good news and, and to Lithia and beyond. Simon Sinek, anybody heard of Simon Sinek? Simon Sinek has a, has a book out. It's been out for several years, and you can watch the TED Talk, and pretty much you don't need to read the book because the whole TED Talk is the book. Save you some time. He has a book that says, Start With Why. So, so why would we want to go out and be vile and share this good news with the whole world, not just keep it in here? Why? It, it's not to try to to grow the, our church numbers. That would not be the purpose. And our, our mission kind of tells us it's all people, so all people can experience God's transforming grace. We've experienced this grace, and, or we are experiencing it now, and, and we should be more vile and, and go out and share it with others in our neighborhoods and in our workplaces and our schools and in places where we hang out and where we shop or through ministries like, like Dinner Church. By the way, Dinner Church is having training at 12.30 today in the B rooms, if you want to be a part of that. It would be a great place to go out and be vile. Family Promise. Ministry of Hope on Friday nights to go out and, and, and be vile amongst folks, frank, frankly, that we may or may not bump into during the rest of our days during the week or Seeds of Hope, or, or any of our other mission partners? Where can we go out and be vile? And it doesn't have to be hard. It can just be in our, in our everyday work situations, in our everyday routines. But that question is still why. Okay, we, we want to fulfill our mission as a church, but, but why? Why should we want all people to experience God's transforming grace? not to bolster our worship numbers. It's not to bolster our membership numbers. It's 
The other uh, lectionary text this week is a very well-known one. It's going to be on the screen, so I won't find it. Forgot to mark it. 1 Corinthians 13. We usually hear this at weddings, right? It's a lovey-dovey wedding passage. But I want to I wanna submit to you today that this, this is the why. This is the why behind even our mission to create a community where all people can experience God's transforming grace. The why is this. Angela spoke some of this earlier. If I speak in tongues of human beings and of angels, but I don't have love, I'm like a clanging gong or a clashing cymbal. If I have the gift of prophecy and I know all the mysteries and everything else, and if I have such complete faith that I can move mountains, but I don't have love, I'm nothing. If I give away everything that I have and hand over my body to feel good about what I've done, but I have nothing, or but I do, don't have love, I receive no benefit whatsoever. Love is patient. Love is kind. Love isn't jealous. It, it doesn't brag. It isn't arrogant. It isn't rude. It doesn't seek its own advantage. It isn't irritable. I, I, that's a struggle one for me. It doesn't keep a record of complaints. It isn't happy with injustice, but it is happy with the truth. Love puts up with all things, trusts in all things, hopes for all things, endures all things. Love never fails. Friends, I submit to you that is the why behind going out to Lithia and beyond. That is the why behind disciples of Christ creating a community where all people can experience God's transforming grace because that we believe in love and that love never fails. It's not easy. It's messy. It's not going to fit perfectly within our box. It's difficult. It's time-consuming. But we have to be motivated by love. Otherwise, Paul says, we're just a clanging symbol. And a clanging symbol by itself, Eric Wright, doesn't sound so great. Depends on your perspective, I guess. It's about love. It's about love. So friends, I'm going to urge us to go out and be more vile, motivated by our love for our fellow human beings. Amen? Today we celebrate the sacrament of Holy Communion. 
this sacrament that reminds us of God's great love for us. That uh, while we were not so kind and not so patient and pretty irritable, not obedient, not even paying attention to God, Jesus came to earth to live amongst us and, and to teach us and to, to perform miracles and to love on us and, and eventually died and was resurrected. And he did that because he loved us. And we remember that, not just from a memory standpoint, we remember it and we reenact that each time that we approach the communion table. And we, we partake of these simple elements of bread and grape juice to remember in a deeper way that Jesus loves us, that Jesus loves all people. 